right, so we are on the second part of our Atheism Kills podcast series. I'm very excited about this. As you know, uh, the book is just about to come out. Uh, if you're listening to this, when it comes out, uh, Atheism Kills will be available for pre-order on or about uh, November 15th, so the middle of the month, the Ides of November. So, Ari, are you excited about this? Because I'm super duper excited about of this. Of course. You're the first person I know. You're like the fifth person I know who's actually written a book. And I've been <laughs> lucky to know book writers by being involved in the conservative movement. But you're the first person. Well, well you, you and Evan are really the two people I really know who've Evan accomplished yeah. the, the book writing thing. Right. And it's I can't tell you what an incredible. Oh, and uh, Anne-Marie Morell. She did it, too, with the, the Politichicks. Uh, what women want book. So, but the point is to be around people who've actually written books is, you know, it's like hanging around the Beatles or something. You feel like special that you're in this <laughs> this uh, crew yes. or this entourage of incredibly cool, motivated people who will do things that I will never do. Well, mostly by choice. Mind I know, you. But, but, but 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 talking about the topic of how dangerous atheism is, you know, this is a topic that. I think really needs exploring and, and a topic that uh, few people have really, uh, really kind of focused on. They, they've talked a lot about whether there's a God. Uh, there's a lot of books about whether there's no God, like the God delusion and so forth, or God is not great uh, by Hawkins and Hitchens. And there's Ham, Sam Harris, of course. And um, this is, uh, and then just people who poo-poo, people who believe in God and why there is a God and so forth. And there are movies to that effect too. But really to me, one of the best ways of knowing whether or not your ideology works is whether it wreaks devastation upon the planet, right? It's a fair statement, right? <laughs> if you are, you know, if you're, we, we talk about this all the time. If you, if you want to be proud of your culture, then why would you be proud, right? You, I'm a proud, a proud of, about being an American because America has pretty much invented everything that we now enjoy, right? And also created all the great culture that we now enjoy and uh, created all the medicine that we now enjoy <laughs> and built all the infrastructure that we now enjoy, right? I mean, everything, all the skyscrapers, America, thank you. Airplane, America, Right, thank oh, you. Also, car, car. Yes. Thank car. you. Refrigerator, air conditioning, the internet, computers. Generally speaking, the the telephone. I mean, it's 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 hard to think of a modern day invention uh, in the past two hundred years that was not invented by Americans. Yes, there of course there are some. I mean, just but it's hard. That's the point. And uh, you know, I, I guess IKEA furniture <laughs> was not invented by Americans. That's fair enough. But it's not just those inventions. It's the, the, the medicines that we talked about and the, the great, uh, brilliant scientific discoveries. Uh, Einstein being a very important exception. But nevertheless, it's America that allows this open-ended way of thinking that is just, uh, it, it says, why not all the time? And it encourages people to think that. So surprise, surprise, America invents all these amazing things to say nothing of all the discoveries of, of being the, the first country to go to the moon, right? A manned mission to the moon, awesome. And then the music that we have and the art that we have and the, and the literature that we have, it's exciting. I'm proud of being an American, that's the point. I'm also proud of being an Israeli 
Israel has, of course, given so much to the world, not just in the modern sense, but also uh, from a cultural point of view and a civilization point of view. And, you know, other countries, uh, you know, have their hits and misses. Uh, France has uh, certainly given stuff to the world in the past, not very much in the past, say, 200 years. But they've given some stuff. But you go to a country, uh, you know, some tribe in Africa, in the middle of Africa. You know, these are countries that didn't even exist at the time. But so, you know, you say from you're this region of Africa, um, and you can say, look, what have we done? I mean, really not much that we bestowed upon the planet. You know, it's kind of interesting, some of their cultural and, and, and cultural ways, but you wouldn't say, we were the ones who developed this notion. Okay. Uh, likewise, modern-day ISIS, right? Horrific ideology. They certainly have not invented anything other than the more gruesome ways of killing people. That's about all that they've done. Iran has very little to be proud of also, other than being hateful and, and threatening America and Israel and all of Western civilization. Um, so, so it's fair to say that we, we judge cultures based upon what they bestow upon society. If you, if you think that all cultures are the same, then you're an idiot, okay? But likewise, why can't we say the same thing about belief systems, religiously uh, and, you know, uh, inspired belief systems, right? I mean, there's Buddhism, there's Islam, there's Christianity, and the many different permutations of Christianity, Judaism, and, uh, of course, atheism. Okay, so you go through them all. And there are differences, aren't there? I mean, Buddhism, with all due respect to Buddhism, I don't know that Buddhism has really advanced much in the way of civilization. I don't think people have hearkened back to Buddhism other than to say, life is suffering, you know, get over it, and, and we'll be all, all okay at the end. Okay, They talk about nirvana and such like that. I get that. But it doesn't really talk about this, the, the notion of a pure moral code, it does not have a, a principle of God behind it, or a God for that matter, whatever they might call that God. Then you have um, Judaism, which has bestowed fantastic things upon the world, the very notion of justice, the very notion of monotheism itself, which has been great, the, the notion of the Ten Commandments. And then, of course, not just religiously, but also what its people have done in terms of its inventions and encouraging progress and such. The Christians take that and also continue with that, that great paradigm, which is, has been wonderful. They've also encouraged this work ethic, uh, in addition to the Ten Commandments, that they keep on spreading. And this notion um, that we need to have schools, that we need to have hospitals, that we need to have charity systems, that we have to have a scientific method. Um, there's a lot to be proud of if you're a Christian. Whether you're a Christian or a Catholic or you're a Mormon or you're a Jehovah's Witness. I know that a lot of you out there will say, well, that's not really Christian. I, I get that. But each of those groups have a lot to be proud of in their own different way. The Mormons, uh, incredible what they have achieved as a culture. The Jehovah's Witnesses, these people are the, the, the toughest mother effers ever. These people, how, these were the toughest people when it came to evil, when they resist evil, nobody beats them. Nobody, no Jehovah's Witness ever cracked when it came to what the Nazis tried to do. And they were killed. No, but they were the ones who protected the Jews the most. They're the ones who stood up for the Jews the most. 
I really honor them for what they've done. Islam, well, look, you may want to call it, I mean, and I'm speaking now about moderate Islam, right? You know, not the people who want to destroy the world and such. I'm, I'm simply speaking of them, of, of that faith as a religion, and ask the question, what have they bestowed upon civilization, right? In terms of inventions, in terms of a moral code, right? It, they may say, okay, Arabic numerals, but that was not Islam. It was Arabic numerals, right? Um, they, they hearken maybe perhaps back to the golden age of Spain, which is kind of a big um, nothing burger, really. What has Islam done? You know, I don't know. Okay, I'm not knocking it per se. I'm simply saying it's different. Maybe, maybe the idea of advancing inventions is not that important. The, the advancing of medicines is not that important. What matters is whether you uh, have complete fidelity to Allah and that's all they care about. I get that. But it's different. Now, you take atheism. Here's a culture, and it is a culture. Don't, atheists will say to you that this is not an ideology like Judaism and Christianity. We just don't believe in God, don't you know? What's your problem, Mr. Lurie? What's your problem, Mr. David? Can't you just let us not believe in God and be done with it, right? And yet they call themselves an atheist, right? Instead of saying, I don't believe in Christianity, I don't believe in Judaism, I don't believe in God, they call themselves an atheist, which literally means without God, right? Atheist. And, but but they, they are very proud of their belief system, because you ask them, okay, so, so Mr. Atheist, you don't believe that there's a God. Do you believe in morals, a common set of morals? Yes, I do. Where does your common set of morals come from? They'll say from the heart or from common sense or logic. And you'll say, okay, well, that's a belief system. You believe that the world should somehow piece itself together and there should be structure based upon your heart. That's your belief system. You don't call it as such. I get that. But you do believe in something. It's not that you believe in nothing. You believe that, because you have to explain something about a moral code. Because if you don't believe that, then, then you really are just a you know, law of the jungle. That's the point. So, and then you ask the question with this ideology, and it is an ideology at the end of the day. There's, they can't get around it. What have you done for us, my atheist friends? What has godlessness done for the world? Because I have the evidence of what godlessness has done, and it ain't pretty. Okay? Nothing that godlessness has done is pretty. So we've talked before about the hundreds of millions of people who've died in the 20th century alone. And we've talked about when atheism, atheism first grabbed hold of any government that was the French Revolution. That was not very pretty either. Okay? Some 30 to 40,000 people died in the span of, of only two years. And, and atheism was just getting started at that point. And that was a hostility to the church in, a, in a, such a vicious fashion. I, I find it really fascinating. And then, of course, it skips over to the time of the Bolshevik Revolution. Um, and things were already getting bad even before then. So you have that. Was Marx, Marx was hanging out in Paris, wasn't he, coming up with his crap? 
<laughs> after the French Revolution, though, I'm trying. To right, it was after the it. French Revolution. Yeah, he came around in the 1800s. I but forget exactly that, when. But in that age of reason, post French yeah. Revolution, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. And, and any idea in Paris had to be justified by reason, not faith. Right. The age of reason was, in fact, very unreasonable. Right. So, the, so, so we we have the second, the uh, 20th century, and now going into the 21st century, it's pretty bad too. We've got mechanized human slaughter designed to kill anyone who does not think like you. So the, the Mao Cultural Revolution. And then, of course, what Mao did before then, too. People don't forget, don't remember that. He's responsible for 70 million murders. This one man under the godless ideology of communism. Then we have Mussolini. Then we have Hitler, both, both of which were godless. And we can go on all day long. People are screaming now at the podcast saying, what are you talking about? Hitler hearkened to Christianity? No, he didn't. Our listeners are intelligent. They're That's true. They know. They, yeah, they know they that know. he was, in fact, godless. Uh, if, if anything, he was uh, more nativistic or, if you want, uh, pantheistic, pan uh, loving nature, that sort of thing, but didn't really believe. In, he certainly didn't believe in Jesus, certainly didn't believe in God. Yeah, it's, the, it's a classic misconstrual that you see any atheist or any environmentalist in Brentwood do, where they worship Mother Earth rather than the creator, or and and worship nature rather than the creator of Mother Earth and nature. Right, exactly right. Which is the distinction a, we hold. To. Yes, that's right, and that's one of the distinctions between pantheism and uh, or uh, not pantheism, but um, uh, poly, uh, polytheism and atheism and um, and monotheism. So. But going back to Hitler for a second, um, claiming that Hitler was a Christian because he hearkened to Christianity and told the Christian friends that this is somehow consistent for them, which he never did. But in their dreams, that's what the atheist will claim. But that would be like claiming that the village people, uh, the rock band or the, the music band, the village people, that they were really an Indian, a policeman, a fireman and a sailor. Right, merely because they wore those uniforms. Okay, that's not good enough. Right, we, it's it's obviously ridiculous to think that way. Hitler was it was godless, it, it, plain and simple. So he killed uh, 11 million people just outside of it, and then of course was responsible for about 100 million more deaths as, as well. Um, and then you've got Pol Pot, you've got Ho Chi Minh, you've got Fidel Castro, and Stalin. St St oh yeah, thank you, Stalin, Stalin, the big guy. Uh, you got uh, Tito, you've got Ceausescu, uh, and and really, literally hundreds of others who were godless who yeah, did the these singing, horrific things. The singing Kim family. Ah yes, yes. Who, who can we? You know, it's it's. I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm atheism was winning an award for the most murders, and now it's up at the Academy Awards, and now it has all these people to thank. You know, I, right. But, I, you know what, and, and the music is playing, and he goes, no, I still got to talk, <laughs> right? Yeah. And all the rest of you, you know who you are. Thank you so much for killing so many people. Yeah, That's, Castro, Mugabe, <laughs> the, you, you, Chavez. Idiot, I mean, you, yeah. you, you know, just throw it all out there. Daniel Ortega. Che Guevara. Che Guevara. These, these guys were all godless. Okay, so, so you've got a lot to explain for, okay? And, and it's not good enough to say, well... Uh, atheism or communism or fascism, if they were practiced correctly, well, things would be just hunky-dory. Well, just it just so happens that they were never practiced correctly, and I'll put that in air quotes. So you have to live with these consequences. It's like me and you, Ari, uh, we're both Jewish, and it's seemingly every one of our Jewish friends are killing and raping and torturing everybody, 
and uh, all in the name of Judaism, no less. And then we say, well, you know, but that's not what Judaism is all about, even though it's always happened that way. Yeah, they keep misinterpreting the Torah, <laughs> yeah. I think. Yeah, for, for generations since the very beginning of Judaism. Yeah, Let's, okay, wait, wait, hang on. Yeah. So, so if that were the case, you would say, come on, guys, at some point, you... you you got to let up here. You got to acknowledge that you've got a problem here, if your ideology is constantly leading to raping, murder, and such like that. You, at some point, is the computer program working, right? It's not good enough for you. If, if a computer programmer, let's put it that way, if if I asked you, I hired you as a computer programmer, and I said, Ari, please make me a program with a video game that uh, I don't know. Where you can, it's for your daughters, right? Where you're allowed to dress up uh, princesses with beautiful princess dresses of different colors and such like that and put on makeup and, and it'll be really cute. Okay, and, and you open up the program and instead of it, it doesn't work, first of all. And then secondly, it shoots out lasers from the, from the computer instead and, and it sends out disturbing images to your children. You'd say that the prog- program doesn't work. And you wouldn't say, well, if, if only I did it right, well, then it would be great. Okay, it's, it's, it's nonsensical, right? And yet people say this about atheism, they say about fascism, and they say about communism. And, uh, and, and the whole nature of godlessness altogether, if only, if only uh, you would let us do it right. Yeah, and what you've done here, and I think this is the greatest service in your whole book, is instead of attacking, and it's an obvious and winning argument anyway, but instead of going down the path of saying, well, socialism, communism... Uh, collectivism stinks, liberalism stinks, it's not practiced correctly, even if it was practiced correctly, it wouldn't work anyway, abandon it. Instead, you found a root cause to all of these terrible ideologies by finding the the common thread, which is atheism, and saying the real problem here is atheism. You eliminate the atheism, all of these things go away by themselves. Right. Because they wouldn't exist without it. That's you right. cannot be a devout Christian and a communist. I mean, Pope Francis might try, you right. know, but it's, it's, they, right. they run into conflict. At a certain point, you know, the collectivist practices right. do not mesh up with Jesus' teachings. Right. It, 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 atheism, uh, sorry, it, well, a world with God puts a break on what you can, what horror you can actually do. So, yes, we, we have some bad Christians, we have some bad Jews, and, and we certainly have a lot of bad Muslims out there. Uh, but nevertheless, there's something about it, at least in the Judeo Christian side of it, that holds people back. They can only do so much evil. Right. If without love the your, rest. If love thy brother and don't be a jerk are your main programming uh, beyond everything else, well, you're going to love your brother and hopefully not be a jerk very much. Right. And if you believe that there really is a God out there that's watching you and judging you for everything, and he knows everything that you're doing, you, you really do think twice. You may, you know, kind of tell a white lie here and there, but that's very different than sending a bunch of people uh, who have the same uh, religion uh, into gas chambers. That's the difference. So going back to being proud of your, your culture and, and being proud of atheism in this case, you, so, so far we know that atheism kills. It literally kills a lot of people. It, we talked uh, last episode about how it kills all sense of meaning, purpose, beauty, you know, uh, a sense of humor and, and free will and freedom itself. We talked about that before. But then you can even go one step further and say, what has... What have people who are godless contributed to society? 
where are the great atheist uh, you know, scientists out there who have done so in the name of atheism? Okay, it's, it's one thing if you happen to be somebody who, you know, just, you're not so sure if there's a God or you don't even believe in God, and then you're still a great scientist, right? Like, uh, like Stephen Hawking, he's, he's an atheist. Yeah, and, but he's a terrible scientist. He's wrong about almost everything. Well, that's the problem is that right? like, he certainly has a, a fantastic scientific mind. He has – but the, 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 here's the point. What, what a great scientist he would be were he to believe truly in God, were to, he, he to truly understand what God is and how paramount God is in the world of science. But, but even so, the point is that you've got Stephen Hawking's, even if you want to claim that on behalf of atheism, which you can't because he's not doing it. He never said that he's doing this on behalf of atheism. I don't think he even knows why he's doing it at all. He's a terrible scientist. He's wrong about everything. He's a big, fat liar. Well, he's, but that's another story. He's been wrong on many things. I agree with you, but I'm not even going there, Ari. I'm simply saying that I, I wonder if he ever asks himself, why am I pursuing all this science, right? I mean, if, he, if he's an atheist, and he is, well, why would you even bother to, to be fascinated by the cosmos? What's the point, right? I mean, you, Stephen Hawking, you're going to die one day, and... You know, according to you, your own beliefs, you're going to be earthworm, uh, earthworm food, and you won't even know that you're dead. You'll just go into oblivion, into nothingness. And then, uh, so what's the point? Why, why have any kids? Why, ha- why get married? Why achieve anything for society at large? I mean, you're not doing it for the money, right? I mean, if you're doing things only for the money, well, then you, there are plenty of other jobs. You don't have to be a scientist. You can even be, if, if it's about money, well, then... Perhaps invest in the stock market and make a hell of a lot more money, right? So, you know, I just don't get it. Um, and that's but enough about Stephen Hawking's. There's, there's no really great atheist who has done anything on behalf of atheism. By contrast, I can tell you that Christianity and Judaism have done tremendous things in the name of Judaism and Christianity, right? I mean, even the guy, uh, George Lemaitre, he's one of my favorite scientists of all time. He was a priest, he was the one who discovered the Big Bang. I mean, they made fun of him. They, they called his theory the Big Bang as a mockery of him. And that name stuck, by the way. People don't know that. But the Big Bang, he wanted to pursue because he believed that there was a beginning to the universe. He knew that there had to be a beginning of the universe. And as he believed that, as he, as he knew that deep in his heart from his, his own teachings religiously, he wanted to find it. He wanted to find it for God, to be closer to God. So with science, he found it. That's the beauty of it. How cool is that? God wants us to find out these things. He doesn't want us, contrary to the atheist uh, canard and his allegation against the the religious, that that somehow we wish to suppress science. We are hardly doing that at all. On the contrary, it's the atheist who wishes to suppress science. When, when, and, And I always say this. I mean, I'll never forget it. When I was in elementary school, and this is about, uh, I guess, five or seven years before your time in elementary school. There, the, the, the debate between the static universe and the Big Bang was still going on, even though it was largely accepted among the scientific community. It really reminds me of global warming, although global warming is a farce, so it's the reverse of it. But everyone saw that the reality of the Big Bang, but it was the, the atheists, the, the non-religious that were kicking and screaming 
before they could accept yeah. the Big Bang. And they just hated the, the friggin' idea. George Lemaitre said, I told you so. And he was doing it because of his faith in God. And likewise, um, all these great, uh, a lot of these great um, doctors and scientists who discover all these medicines and cures, they, they do so because they want to advance a world for God, a world of, a world of cleanliness. They saw it deep in their hearts uh, because they loved God so much. And, and, and I love that about them. And we Jews, you know, we focus so much on justice because justice is so important to us, right? To, to repair the world, right? To kudalam, we say, what, in whatever manifestation that might be. And we believe in progress because progress moves us away further and further from Sodom and Gomorrah for a more just society, right? This, this is why Jews uh, love to always ask the question, why not? This is why... Uh, so much of what Judaism entails is about doing the right thing in business and being creative. This is why a lot of Jews are great writers, great inventors, great musicians, great philosophers, uh, and, and, and great in law and, and medicine. Everything you see, it, it, Jews seem to really just want to be uh, the best at it. Uh, put a Jew as a plumber, and he'll be the best among the plumbers, too, because he'll find a different way of doing something. And, and this, he believes, it's, it's in his DNA, in Judaism at least, to find and be creative. This is what my father always talked about. That your greatest mission in life is to create, to take us, as he said, one step further away from the, prim, from the primitive. And he's, he's so right. I'm proud of those things. I'm proud on behalf of Christianity, too. We are cousins to the Christians, the brothers, if you want. There are younger brothers. There are a lot more of them than there are of us Jews, but I'm proud of them. It, it, we're, we're the same family. We're the family of the Ten Commandments. How about that? The, the, the Ten Commandments is our mother and our father, and we belong to that family. And damn it, we're really, really proud of it. But there ain't nothing like that in atheism. So and I, and I reject them for what's, that. What's the difference between atheism and Satanism? You know, uh, in, in my book, uh, I often wonder if there is a Satan, if there is a devil, then perhaps the best way for him to conquer society, civilization, to destroy civilization, is not to make a counter evil force to the good of God, but rather simply to enable people to question whether there is a God altogether. That is far more destructive. And I think he's achieved that. Because when you take away God from people, then anything goes. Satan doesn't, if there, again, if there is a devil, he wouldn't need to do anything else. Why, why would he want to be, you know, why would he need the energy to be a counterforce to God no, no, trust me, you know, follow my rules. My rules, my, my Ten Commandments are this way, right? And then you're picking and choosing. But it's far more easy to simply destroy a house than it is to build another house, right? And that's what, that's what atheism does. I, I think if, say, if there is a, a devil, that's what he would do. But forget the concept of God, devil. I'm talking about the belief system. I think it's it's obvious, and I asked you almost rhetorically because I know the answer to it, and you do too. And based on your book, we've we've hit upon what the more dangerous ideology is. I think you can point to number one, 
if you are a Satanist and you believe in Satan, you at least have an ethos in a, um, uh, if you will, higher or lower power. Yes. Right? Yeah. Number one, which is right. the atheist doesn't have. They consider the supremacy of themselves uh, to be paramount. And that's one of the things that's so dangerous about it. The other thing is, if you look historically, Satanists, you know, however you define them, and they are pathetic in many ways, they've at least accomplished something. A lot of rock musicians of quite good quality are Satanists or faux Satanists, however you want to define it. And they've made some good music. Uh, there have been some good Satanist uh, uh, scientists at like Jet, Jet Propulsion Lab, um, a guy named... Uh, Oh, uh, uh, Parsons was famous for being a Satanist and a brilliant... Uh, Alan Parsons? R- r- no, I think... Uh, it might be. That's a You mean a musician? musician. Yeah, That's no. a musician guy. I'm talking about a scientist. Oh, I see. I got that. Parsons. A musician, okay. Uh, but the point is, Satanists, like Jews, Jews and Christians, have at least accomplished something and at least believe in something. Well, they're more honest at the very least. They, right. they, they acknowledge that they have an ideology. Yeah, and they say, hey, we're bad. Right. <laughs> okay, fine. Right. And by the way, you can't be all bad if you tell everyone you're bad because That's i mean fair warning okay i know you're a danger to to my children and my family i'm going to avoid you the well, atheist slips in under the radar going i'm as good as all of you i just don't believe in god yeah what's, what's wrong the problem yeah. but but the very definition of god uh, of good can't exist so what is good and they don't even know what good is i mean yeah and the, the, make the, the, the case that the devil is the great deceiver and in ways the atheist is acting as much greater of a deceiver than any satanist who is right. who is at least putting you know the cigarette warning label of their ideology <laughs> right. upon themselves that's right he, the, the atheist the difference is that the satanist lies and the atheist lies to himself how do you like that Look, there's more to this as well. I mean, let's go, let's go over the resume of the atheists one more time. We talked about the horrors of, of the killings. We've talked about how they haven't accomplished anything either, right? But one of my favorite topics, and it's in the book, is about how they embraced progressivism. Now, progressivism, that, that sure sounds nice. That's, that's nice. Sound nice to you, Ari? Making Very pretty. progress. Yeah, progress. So, well, you Jews like to have progress. You Christians like progress. Yeah, there's a difference between progress and there's progress, okay? There's two different things. Yeah, there's a difference between progress and progressivism. Right. Yeah. Our progress is getting closer to God. That is what we consider progress. Yeah, or progress. You right. won the case. The farmer's progress. He grew some crops. The shopkeeper's progress. Right. He invented he a new, a, a new yeah. machine uh, it, it's, that makes life easier and, and, and he helps people who are hungry. That sort of thing. Uh, you eradicate a certain disease. Uh, these are these are great things of progress, but also progress in the sense of having a better and more just society. That's a good thing too, right? But for them, progress is uh, well. It can mean anything else. It, progress, oddly enough, uh, ter- came to mean more death. <laughs> progress meant getting rid of those people that they feel that they felt were inferior, or in their way. In their exactly right. Well, that's what ended up happening. So. Here's in the eugenics movement, which the progressives embraced wholeheartedly. They thought it was just such a great idea. Uh, they decided to take all those who are feeble or retarded or diseased or uh, black, for example, and they um, proceeded to sterilize them as much as possible in order to avoid uh, propagating more people like them. Okay, 
So Margaret Sanger, she was the lead of this uh, eugenics movement. She certainly was very, very uh, enamored with the idea. And then, of course, she was very into the abortion movement. Uh, so she was a, a great double whammy in that department. And the, the progressives embraced this. And See, they still do. And, and, well, and they still do in their own way. With the abortion movement, at least. Yeah, no, but we'll get to that in a second. But what's fascinating is the progressives embraced eugenics, which is so horrific. It, it only petered out in the early 70s. People don't know that, the 1970s. And it really started more in the 1910s. And it really ramped up in the 1930s and then to some degree in the 40s and so on. So as a bell curve, the, the peak would be in the, in the mid-30s. Uh, and who embraced this? One Adolf Hitler. He thought it was just the greatest. He thought the Americans were just so awesome in this department because he believed the same thing. Let's get rid of uh, people who are inferior to us. And guess what? The communists felt exactly the same thing. And they loved it. And both, both these ideologies, fascism and, and communism, were godless. And, and voila, suddenly the godless, the god barrier, the one that would, would have prevented them from looking at somebody as... Uh, as a child as, of God. Well, it would have prevented them from looking at him as, as somebody who's, who's a burden on society. Let's get rid of him. Suddenly the gate was open. You know, you... You can do whatever you damn well please to this in the in the um, uh, in the service of the common good. That's the phrase that you'll hear a lot from the atheist: the common good, as opposed to what is moral. Okay, so uh, imagine this: th- that people look at these people who are so-called inferior, and I put those in air quotes. Here's the one who's retarded. This one has uh, cerebral palsy. Um, this one uh, can't see and, can't, and is deaf at the same time, basically a Helen Keller type. Um, this one, um, um, you know, has, I don't know, it's a, it's a Siamese twin, okay? These are all going to be burdens on society. Well, let's get rid of them. That's the attitude. This is, they had no problem. The common good argument suggests to get rid of those people. That's what they did. And that dovetailed very well tragically well with the abortion movement. This is like, listen, this child is going to be a burden to you because we, we want you out there in the workforce, lady. Um, we can't have you, you know, nauseous and, and all that stuff and raising a family. And all. We need you in the workforce. Abort this baby. And it's, you know what? It's cool if you do it up to the very day of, of the birth of the baby. I want you to legal. It's legal. Okay. That was the Bolshevik revolution. The common good. So, what happened? Uh, everything about progressivism uh, on the eugenics front uh, was completely flipped on its head when they discovered that Hitler was doing all these horrific things using the phrase eugenics, which is an ideology in and of itself. So the Americans saw this, and they were ashamed. And they quietly, quietly ended the eugenics program. You don't hear about the eugenics program, do you? No. Yeah, no. it's it's like it's it's so weird. It's it it was so pervasive, and the, and it was all the liberals and all the progressives who pushed for it. They thought they were doing such great work. Yeah, but it's it's the same way that you don't hear uh, Jim Crow or slavery associated with Democrats. Right, it's, that's true. It's very similar. Yeah, they keep the Jim Crow slavery arguments alive and pin the tail on the other donkey. Right, uh, if you will, the elephant. 
so right. to speak, to uh, use as a political weapon against their adversaries. Well, I think I think part of the reason why they 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 would keep Jim Crow uh, and slavery, for that matter, quiet, uh, other than the fact that they believe it serves their interests, and other than the fact that we we have what eleven or twelve percent of the population is African American, so you know they have a there's a legacy of slavery and Jim Crow, and they have to deal with it. So they say, so they oh, uh, it wasn't me, uh, it was that guy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's what they do. Uh, they they pin the tail on the other donkey, and it's it's only their donkey. Conveniently, it's the the symbol of the Democratic Party. Anyway, um, the um, they they were humiliated by this. Now in the in the eugenics era, what's also telling is there were people who resisted this. You know who the, who they were? The Jews and the Christians. The Jews and the Christians. Thank you very much. How about that? Is that yeah. funny? Well, who who to thunk that? Yeah. Right. They were the ones Otherwise saying. Otherwise known as conservative yeah, Americans. Right. Yeah. And they were the ones, Ari who were laughed at. They were the ones who were told that they were backward for not advancing eugenics. Progress. Yes. This, this gets me. I, it bothers me so much. And you, you see how, how easy it is to go, go with the times, the craziness of the times. Um, and if you don't have a moral center, the moral center is what allowed the Jews and the Christians, the, the, the observant ones at least. There was one sect of Christianity, by the way, and, and some very reform Jews that were okay with eugenics, so in fairness. But I'm talking about mainstream Judaism and Orthodox Judaism and mainstream Christianity and Orthodox yeah, Christianity. Yeah, the people adhered to the values. They were the ones yeah. who adhered to the values, and they said, we don't, we reject this. This is clearly against God's will, and we will not support it. And I love that about them. I love that about us. I love that about us as a people, and we ought to be proud of it. Look, and the same thing happened, by the way, with uh, much more recently, with the one-child policy, uh, the the, the uh, Chinese one-child yeah. policy, which also had a eugenics movement of its own. That's another story. But they were all about it. They thought, you know what? China is doing what needs to be done in order to deal with our very significant population explosion. Um, and so we applaud you, China, for doing what what must be done. And of course, they never bothered to actually ask, well, what does that look like, the one-child policy? You have a law that you can only have one child, but how do you enforce that, sir? Please do tell. What happens if a woman uh, is pregnant with a second child? What do you do with her? Do you um, throw her in jail? Do you um, kill her? Do you fine her? Uh, If the baby is uh, born, what do you do with that baby? I mean, one-child policy, right? How do you enforce that? Yeah. Because it, it means nothing... It's only aspirational unless you can enforce it, right? right. And, and enforce it, they did. They enforced it by forcing abortions. They, they literally would go to these, these farm villages, and they discovered that this woman is having a second child, and they would just grab her, force her on her table, and just surgically have an abortion right there on the spot. Screaming, legs up, all the, all the horrific image that you can possibly imagine. Yanking out a, a friggin' baby out of her body. And, and, and people are screaming, and, and sometimes they would burn down the house in order to make it clear to others, don't even think about it. And then, of course, the corruption that's involved, you could pay your way to, like an indulgence, like in the old days, right? And if you wanted a second child that badly, you can pay 
yeah, a lot of money. Essentially pay a fine, but yeah. the bribe was the fine. It was very significant. And, and it fails to take into account the amount of pain this would bring to a family and how the family unit makes a country stable and strong. No, that's the first point. And the second point is if the country is overpopulated, Perhaps embracing an economic system like, say, capitalism, capitalism. would help alleviate any issues of having so many people <laughs> yes. who need food, clothing, and work. Well said. Well said. Shelter. Exactly right. Well, I mean, and, and let's not let's not be kid ourselves about um, the one-child policy. Come on. I mean, you know, Americans can applaud that all day long. But why don't we have a one-child policy like that? Why, I mean, we could make a law to that effect, right? And we don't. I wonder why. Here's why. Because democracy doesn't need to control all of its people. By definition, we want to give power to the people. Communism, by contrast, and all sorts of any form of dictatorial rule, it needs to keep its people in line. And the more people you have, the harder it is. That's what the one-child policy was about. It was not about overpopulation. It was about making sure that you only had so many people to control. It was much easier. Yeah, the Soviet government... All, all under the, I'm sorry, all, all under the ruse of, of making the world right. safer and not overpopulated. Yes, they used, just like with global warming, they used environmentalism as the, as the conspiracy theoretical canard on which to base all this. Yeah. The same way all environmentalism has been proven to be used in America today to brainwash people into all sorts of behaviors that they don't need to behave in. For instance, you know, we're having a hepatitis outbreak here in California. Why? Because these idiots have banned plastic bags. Now, to counter the hepatitis outbreak, they're figuring out all different things, including giving policemen rubber gloves and when dealing with the homeless and blah, blah, blah. Why not just re-legalize plastic bags? Right. But, you know what I mean? The point is you have to control people's every little movement if you have a, the kind of uh, government that's based in atheism. Right. And, but, and the Soviets, could, to, to finish how important of a point you're making here, is the Soviets considered the best citizens of the Soviet Union dead citizens. Why? Because it took no effort to control the dead. That's right. So the more people we can make dead, the better. Yeah. They were happy to have dead people, as it were. Uh, China, going back to the one-child one, uh, policy, uh, the, the Americans who embraced it, not, not the Christians, not the Jews, the Orthodox Jews and the mainstream Jews, and exactly the same thing with eugenics. Surprise, surprise, these people were not jiggy with the one-child policy. They said, what was the word? Monstrous was what it was. To say nothing, by the way, of the fact that the one-child policy was being abused because uh, Chinese couples preferred boys, and if they... If they would abort girls. Right. If, girl if the first, first child was a girl, well, then we, we can't have that. So, And then you have this horrific consequence of too many men uh, in, the, in the population, and so now you have higher crime. I mean, it, the consequences are enormous to say nothing of the just the, the sheer millions of babies aborted under this so-called glorious one-child policy. What did you think was going to happen? Honestly, I mean, it, it makes you so angry when, when, you, when you talk to a liberal, uh, sorry, no, I, I, in an event, some, to a godless person who thought so well of the one-child policy. What did you think was going to happen? I mean, it reminds me of all those movies where they, they say, just get it done. You know, I don't want this enemy, uh, you know, somehow avoid him altogether. And then somehow we never hear about that person. 
Well, sir, you, you told me you wanted to get it done. I didn't tell you to murder the guy. Well, sir, you wanted me to get it done. Okay, well, that's exactly what happened with the one-child policy. What did you think was going to happen yeah. other than the slaughter of millions of people? Yeah, and also, isn't it interesting, the mantra of never again in the wake of the Holocaust, of how many never agains we've had since the original never yes, again that are point. all committed in the name of atheism or liberalism that liberals never complain about. Remember how we were talking about ISIS on this podcast, you know, a couple of years ago? And going, isn't this the never again you were talking about, liberals? Yep, 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 yep. you're right. You know, yep. isn't this the slaughter, except it's worse because they're, they're broadcasting it, not concealing it? Isn't the Soviet Union the never again? Isn't Cambodia? than ever again? Is it Rwanda than ever again? Is it North Korea? I mean, how many of these? Venezuela? Well, They're you, all never again. Well, uh, but, but Ari, what are you talking about? That that was Those were communism that you were saying, not, not fascism. So it doesn't apply, don't you know? Oh, boo-hoo. Hardy-hard. <laughs> right. hard. I, I yeah. wonder if that makes a difference to the people who are slaughtered. Yeah, to the dead. You know, Let's ask uh, them. Yeah. Uh, so so one, one last thing um, about the um, about the consequences of, of the um, the one-child policy and, and abortion and such like that. How, the, the, the benefit of all this discussion right now is to see that the consequences of floating-point morality, right, where anything goes and whatever is moral for you in this country may not be moral in the other country, and in the time... It yeah, at time this specific. moment versus next moment. Exactly, yeah. and we're seeing it. We're discussing it right as we go. We're, we're seeing this movie, and we're saying, well, this time, that was moral. At this time, it's immoral and such, and here's where they're ignoring it. And it's so dangerous. It's so obvious. It's right there. As an atheist, you, you should be able—I mean, these are facts. These, these, these are not opinions. These are facts. And this is your legacy, your godless legacy. And we'll talk in our next uh, episode— about how there is that the root cause of everything is atheism. The godlessness was the cause of all these horrific things. Uh, but, but the floating point part of it is it's powerful. Before we go, I want to talk about the abortion issue, the culture of abortion, where there was, and I developed this as a chapter um, in my book as well. The, the, the culture of abortion, the way we think of abortion today, the systematic approach of abortion, where you can come into a doctor's office and uh, they suck the baby out or they do other horrific things in order to commit the abortion, and you see all these doctors, and it's almost like a, an abortion mill, right? An assembly line, if you like. That started with the Bolshevik Revolution. Vladimir Lenin said, we got to get on this. This is going to be great for the common good. The common good meaning we want to destroy the family. He literally said that. I want to destroy the family because the government is now going to own all your kids. And then secondly, we want to force the woman to go into the workforce. Those two goals would be achieved best by having a very liberal approach to abortion, allowing mothers to abort their babies up to the time of birth. Yeah, not just allowing, encouraging. Str strongly encouraging, right. Uh, and that's how it all happened. Now, and and somehow they've duped American liberal women to think that's feminism rights. That, oh, you know? it's, I it's, mean, it's it's unbelievable, horrific. unbelievable to, to to take that approach. Anyway. And, and by the way, it also explains why feminists are so stupid. Is <laughs> honestly that they fell for this hook, line, and sink. It, it was uh, a it really backfired on everyone. Uh, and and it, it, it now we're all suffering. For the consequences of that, because here's an interesting, you can say, well, that was 
during the time of Vladimir Lenin, and you know that's bad that that happened, and it shouldn't have happened, and uh, you know I'm sure a lot of abortions occurred that that were probably unnecessary and wrong abortions. Yeah, and if they were but, practicing but things, communism correctly, yeah. they would have been Catholic communists, <laughs> and they would. Yeah. But and, and but surely things have not you know have changed since then. Answer: No, they haven't. Here's what here's the problem: is that it created a culture of abortion, meaning that it lasted for so long that it became part of the mother's milk, no pun intended, uh, because, well, I mean, artistic pun, I guess. It became part of the mother's milk of the culture that abortion was, you know, something you do. Uh, Getting rid of a baby, an unwanted pregnancy, was no different than clipping your fingernails, okay? Or taking the lint out of your belly button. Uh, that's, that's That's how they viewed it. In fact, so much so, Ari, that normal contraception, like condoms and even the pill, um, IUDs or anything else. Or not having sex. (laughs) Well, whatever. But but, but you understand. But the the contraception alternatives were like laughed at. That's not a big deal. Okay, if I get pregnant, I get pregnant. I just go to the doctor and boop, it goes away. It's like getting a flu shot. In fact, it's even less than getting a flu shot. That's... They don't, at least, we, we don't want to get the flu, right? Um, they, you know, well, if they get pregnant, no big deal. It's like you, you, you take this little thing and, and uh, they, they scoop it out of you, you're done. You know, you know how many, um, what the average number of abortions is per Russian woman? Oh, like 14 or something? No, less than that. Eight? Eight. Eight is the number. Uh, until re- very recently, by the way. But... And the reason why is that Putin has a lot of a strong morality code, and he's trying to trying to bring that back now. But that's another story. But that mentality bled into the rest of Eastern Europe, and to a lesser extent into Western Europe as well. It all started kind of spiraling out of control. The abortion culture, right? And it devalues human life because if you don't value a baby's life, why right. should you value an adult's life? Right. You begin to realize well. Listen, that kid, you know, he's two years old, sure, but he really is problematic. I mean, he's a pain in the butt. He's a well, but, but you know what? He has um, a learning deficiency, or he's blind, or he's deaf, or he can't walk, um, you know, or he's retarded. Uh, you know, we, we could have aborted him uh, before he was born. Well, you know, what's the difference? I mean, is he really that much more now that he's a year and a half or two years old? Why? Why should we grant him some sort of holy status? Let's kill him. He really is a burden to us, and no doubt to society. And he'll just grow up to be a criminal anyway. So yeah, exactly. I mean that too. Perhaps that, right? Um, or just somebody who's truly rambunctious. You know, it, it doesn't have to be even a diseased child. So, oh boy, <laughs> that's right. Anyway, so, but they, they would. This has bled into the culture over and over again, and then they, they're surprised when they have now uh, one child per couple. I mean, I think it's consistent with atheism. Why have any children at all? I don't even know why you have a one child. Just, you know, it's like a designer child, maybe. But what's the point? What, what legacy? Why do you require a child? Yeah. It's a, You're it, just it, going to brainwash him to be a global warming activist. He'll be, but, but, he'll, but, he'll be sorry he was born and want to go childless himself. So what's the point? Yeah, I and mean, think of all the burdens of having a child, right? I mean, the enormous amount of lack of sleep... Right, for not just the first year, but for a lot of the time, a lot of the anxiety of making sure that he's healthy. All the nights drinking, you're going to miss out on, right? <laughs> all the all the partying and the traveling that you're going to yeah. miss out on. The expense, 
Okay, and all those doctor visits and the worrying about the doctors. Does he have pneumonia? Does is he gay? Is he is he transgender? Uh, you know, is he going to be tall enough? Uh, you know, is is he going to get scarred? Uh, you know, uh, you know, and you worry and you worry and you worry all day long. And then of course they hate you during their teenage years, right? Because they know everything now. I mean, why have a child, especially if you don't? If you believe that there's no legacy, what do you friggin' care? And so surprise, surprise, they, they have very few children in Russia and throughout all of Europe. I think the, the greatest number of children is somewhere in, is in England, but not much more. It's like 1.5 per, per couple. That's the average. In America, we're 2.1, I think, barely replacing ourselves. But we're still better off than, um, than Russia is. So... You know, it's a culture of abortion that has kept on going on and on, and we don't even realize it. You know, you know that the Russians, speaking about inventions, right? The Russians invented the abortion suction machine, and we use that in America from them. How do you like that? So okay. disgusting. It's disgusting. It's rev- yeah, but but uh, hey, look, it works. And uh, it's mechanized and, you know, tried and true and, and all that, that stuff. make the argument we don't want it to work. <laughs> well, I if agree If it with didn't that. work, it would be better. Right. It's like, uh, you know, it's like inventing mustard gas. Right. Uh, well, thank, uh, oh, I'm glad it works. Right. Okay, people can dry, drown in pus now. Great. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Bravo you. Well, listen, it's, it, it, this, this podcast has been about looking at your own ideology, looking at your belief system and saying, am I proud of that? And I, I put it to you, the atheists among you, and there are quite a few, by the way, uh, who are out there listening. I invite you to email me and tell me what good atheism has done for the world. Because I put it to you that you will find nothing. Nothing. And, I, and, I, and especially when you juxtapose it against anything that Christianity or Judaism has brought to the world. I think we have you beat hands down. I'm Brock Lurie. Thanks for listening. We'll talk with you next week. 